Vision 7 Radio Network welcomes Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes, heard every Monday at 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Eastern Time, using nearly 200 years of abundant and consistent afterlife evidence, quantum physics, consciousness research, and ancient writings, we seek to understand who and what we are, how reality works, the nature of God, and the meaning and purpose of our lives. Join Roberta weekly to better understand our one reality and gain insights into how we can make the most of the glorious eternal beings that we are. Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm so happy you're with us today. Oh, my dear friends, I have made no secret of the fact that I cannot meditate. I don't have the patience for it. I do have friends, though, who swear by it. And one of is my own wonderful husband. He credits meditation, frankly, with having him gotten through his life so well. He learned to meditate from the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, who actually is not a name now, but he was a name in the 70s because he was the same meditation guru who taught the Beatles, and that's a name you know, back in the 70s. My husband learned it back then, and he has been meditating ever since. But I just cannot quiet my mind enough. So I just chatter away with my spirit guide, Thomas, and he's the one who has helped to get me through life. Our guest today, though, is a real meditation star. Kelvin Chin is an author, a meditation teacher, and a life after life expert. His first book was Overcoming the Fear of Death Through Each of the Four Main Belief Systems. His second book is Marcus Aurelius Updated. (laughs) He needed updating at this point. 21st Century Meditations on Living Life. That's a collection of 67 essays ranging from emotions, life principles, meditation, and the spiritual. Kelvin's third book is After the Afterlife, Memories of My Past Lives. His past lives reach back 6,000 years, and he's been resurfacing them gradually over the past 45 years. This is our second time talking about this book, which I frankly have found fascinating. He says his past lives have taught him about himself and about how our minds continue from lifetime to lifetime. And I actually, reading his book was sort of like reading fiction, but it isn't fiction. He tells me it's all real. Kelvin is an executive director and founder of the Turning Within Meditation and Overcoming the Fear of Death Foundations, two foundations, and he's an internationally recognized meditation teacher featured in Business Insider Newsweek and Kaiser Health News. He's taught meditation at West Point in the U.S. Army, including on the DMZ in Korea. He's He gets around. Um, Kelvin has been meditating for 52 years. Years, and he's taught meditation to thousands of people in more than 60 countries. He's a graduate of Dartmouth, Yale, and Boston's College School of Law. And this is his fourth visit with us. I've actually known him personally because he lived for a while in the same place I lived. So he's one of the few, very few of our guests that I actually know personally and I've had lunch with and laughed with. And that's why he's kind of special to me. Kelvin, welcome. It's so good to have you back with us today. Good to be here again. Now, what I was hoping we could talk about is a little more about how how this all came about, because it's not the sort of thing that happens to most people that they suddenly start remembering things, not just happened that happened last week or last month or even when they first were born, but things that happened a long time ago and and the more after we talked the last time i got thinking more and more about it and how fascinating it all was 
So let's talk a little bit more about that. I think it happened because you were such a good meditator and you were getting deep into your mind, not just this mind that you're dealing with now, but the larger mind that this mind is a part of. Exactly. Really. Yeah. I, I would say the last sentence is exactly the way I think of it, too. The, the, the part that my mind that's talking to you now is part of my um, connected to and part of, as you said, my larger sense of self, which is also my mind. And that includes, in, in, in my experience now, having had these memories over the last 50 years, that includes all of our memories that go back not just to what I may have eaten two weeks ago, which I don't remember, uh, to, but back to what I did 2,000 years ago or 5,000 years ago or 6,000 years ago, some of, some of which I do remember. So I think all of that is part of the our mind uh, and our memories are part of that part of our mind that recalls stuff from our past. That's what we call memories. But to answer your question, I think you're right. I think that the, the uh, meditation that I had done for six or seven years every day before my first past life memory started opening up in 1977 um, really contributed to it. Uh, do I have students uh, who have never meditated before and remember stuff? Yes. Is it possible? Yes. Is meditation absolutely necessary? No, obviously. But to, for, from my experience, was it a major contributing factor in opening Kelvin Chin up? I think so. So I, I agree with you personally, from my standpoint anyway, yeah. And um, just first of all, what? Opening ourselves up to the possibility that we're not our body, that there's a mind that is separate and distinct from our body. So I think most people in your audience who've meditated and done any kind of meditation of any kind have probably had glimpses of that uh, simple uh, distinction, but simple but basic and fundamental and important distinction that the mind is not the same as the body, that the mind can continue separate from the body. That's huge. It is huge, but most people don't ever have the sense that they're accessing deeper memories they really don't so how would they maybe they have had those deeper memories accessed though and they don't recognize them yeah I, so I think how might they recognize them though i think that's right and, and and there's something that i i came up with this term i don't know maybe somebody else did too but i use this term recognition memories and that i think that some of the precursors that people, as you kind of imply, may not recognize that are precursors to past life memories are stuff like, I, I, I think of recognition memories as like deja vu on steroids. You know, people have ha all had the deja vu experience. Like, you know, you and I have had lunch together, Roberta, and, you know, we're sitting there in Austin, Texas at some restaurant, we're having lunch. And I've had this experience many times with different people where you're sitting there and you kind of go, wait a minute, I think I've had this conversation before. I yeah. think, you know. Yes. And, so and deja vu, this is some experience, even walking down some street somewhere, triggers, oh, I. this makes me think of some, have I been here before? Right. So. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of people have had that. So I use that kind of as a jumping off point because that's a, it, it's a fairly common experience, you know, yes. um, and whether it's past life related or not, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that um, I'm not saying that it's always past life related. No, um, but it's that type of experience that to me is the beginning of what I call recognition memories which are that experience, but like times 10 or times 100. You know, it's like, wait a minute. I know I've been here before in South Dakota, and I've never stepped foot in South Dakota this lifetime. And I know I can check that because I can ask my parents, I can ask my sister, my brothers, my friends, have we ever been to South Dakota? No, we've never been. 
And yet you go to this place, I'm just picking South Dakota randomly, but and you got to go, I, I, it's so familiar. It's just bizarre. It's like deja vu on steroids, that kind of yes. thing. Yes. And, right. and, and, and then later could be, you know, a day later, five years later, or 50 years later, you may have an experience that, wait a minute, uh, in South Dakota, this happened and this happened and this happened. And how would I know that? So then you start having these other corroborative type experiences. Right. So I'm giving people tips of how they could, might be able, what they might be able to notice that they're not noticing, right? So, so these type of things may actually be connected. You know, that childhood experience that I'm making up of, you know, finally ending up, ending up going there when you're a teenager, but thinking that you've been there before and you never have because you've checked with your family, but then maybe five or 10 or 15, 20 years later, having memories of stuff that occurred in South Dakota that's not from this lifetime. That type of stuff are what I call recognition memories that sometimes can jigsaw puzzle piece together. I think that I've had experience experiences like that. I think many people have by the time by midlife, many mm. people have had them. The question is, do we pursue them? And most people, I think, don't. That they're this is they're having a busy day. Right. They have that thought. But they've got to go to the grocery store. They've got to make dinner. They've got to put the kids to bed. They got and and then you know then there's always TV to watch or something, and they don't. It just the memory passes. It passes exactly. And, and but but you pursued the memory when it came, right? And yeah, so it made me think about like why you know because I'm a inquisitive. I, you you know me my personality well enough to know. I'm a curious. I get curious about stuff. I'm like a knowledge sponge. You know, somebody. I'll be at a reception talking to somebody, and they'll talk about, I don't know, construction of 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 a building, and I'll go, "Wow, tell me about that." It's just the stuff that I have nothing to do with professionally. I find curious. I want to learn about stuff. So I think the inquisitiveness, if that's a word, of my mind is kind of what you're referring to that makes me think more about the stuff. And I think anybody could, but, you know, everybody's mind's different. They don't have to be like me, you know, and uh, I wouldn't want everybody to be like me. It'd be a boring <laughs> world. Right? But anyway, but no, seriously, it's everybody's unique. And, so, and, and those people who are curious, I think, tend to, more curious, tend to, you know, delve into it more and then might surface stuff. I'll give you an example. Um, I had a, a, a client um, some years ago, it's been five, six, seven years ago now, and she was curious about her past lives, but had never uncovered anything. She she knew of what it was, but she'd never personally uncovered anything. And I said, and I described this deja vu on steroids idea to her and like with, with in recognition memory idea. And she said, well, actually when she was thinking this through, because she hadn't thought about it this way before. She said, actually, I have this really weird connection with certain kind of jewelry. So for her, it wasn't a place. It was a thing. It was a, and I said, what kind of jewelry? And she said, well, like rings. I said, well, do you have a, a specific connection with a certain kind of ring or just all rings that go on fingers? And she said, no, no, it's very specific. I said, well, what, do you know what it looks like? in your mind and she goes yeah and i said well go online we got this thing called the internet now and look around to see if you can find jewelry that looks like what you have in your in, in your in your mind and she she sent me a picture and it, it, she you know screenshotted it and she texted it to me and it's a picture of a like a serpent wrapped around a finger oh. Yeah, And so I said, well, okay, now you got that. And she said, this is exactly what it looks like in my mind. I said, okay, find out when were they, when and where were they made? When were they popular? And, you know, they could be popular today or whatever, but just look back and kind of get a sense historically and see, and then regardless of what years you find, you come up with, see if you get any emotional kind of response because you could find these rings probably today 
or you could find them in ancient times or in between. Who knows what? Do you get an emotional response from any of them? And she looked and she found that they were first made in first or second century Egypt. In ancient Egypt, they were made in ancient Egypt, but they were most popular, not so much in Egypt, they were somewhat popular in Egypt, but she said they were most popular in ancient Rome, because Egypt and Rome back then were very connected, you know, that's where that was the breadbasket of Rome, that's where most of their grain came from Egypt and so forth, from the Mm. Nile, etc. So there was a lot of trade going back and forth. And so they were really popular in second century Rome, and that's where she got the emotional hit from. And then, and I said, um, the next thing what you could do, these are tips for your audience, obviously. The next thing you could do is, um, before you go to sleep at night, um, just tell yourself, I want to open up and see if I have any ancient memories. You don't have to, some people may call it past lives, but just say old memories. Old memories. So she said, oh, "Okay, let's see if I have any old memories." And she she told she called me up afterwards. And she took a nap in the middle of the day, whatever. And she did this before she lay down and take a nap. And she had this nightmare during her 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 sleep. A nightmare, uh, basically. At, well, at first it started a nightmare. It wasn't a nightmare the whole time. That so at first it was there was fear. Uh, you know, because as you and I were talking about before, people have a lot of fear, you know. And so yes. at first there was a fear of drowning in it. She was in sleeping in a temple, in the in a temple, in like a like an ancient temple, you know, like with columns and the whole thing. Oh my goodness. And it, and it was a flood going on, and she her room was flooding, and then she started helping other people get out of the temple, whatever. Oh my <laughs> Why she was sleeping in the temple, who knows? But, you know, somehow the mind does these weird things, you know, it connects. Yeah. The, but but then she then she in the then she thought she woke up. So I don't know if anybody's had that. I've had this experience. You've probably had this experience where you're you're dreaming and then you you wake up and yet you're still dreaming. You think you've woken up in the dream, but you haven't. But you're awake in the dream. So now she's still dreaming, but now she thinks she's awake. She, she's she's she, but she's still in the dream. She goes out into the hallway after she helps people escape from this, you know, the flood. Oh my word! Now she's in the hallway of the temple, and she sees this person standing in the hallway, and he's got a white toga on, you know. Some, oh my! You know, and and he's got a, a a medallion hanging around his neck with a big plaque, and it's not in English, but she can read it in her dream, and it's in, and it turns out it's in Latin. But she, in her dream, she knows what it says, whatever it said. Can't remember what she said it said. But anyway, but then she, what she remembers about looking at the guy. Now, you guys, I don't know if people can see me or just hear me, but if you can't see me, I can see you. I shave my head. All right. So I shave my head. So in the dream, (laughs) this guy standing in, you know, uh, in the hallway of, of this temple has a full head of curly blonde hair. And she remembers it explicitly. It was very blonde. It was so blonde that it was shiny, glittering, like sparkly blonde. Sparkly blonde yeah, hair. So that's material to the story. Wait till you hear the, the kicker at the end. So so she sees this guy and he says to her, uh, you want to remember your past lives? How can you remember your past lives if you're afraid of dying? Because that was the you know the part in the dream she was had right. before, right? Right. So he says that to her. Then she wake really wakes up. She realizes, oh, I wasn't awake. I was still dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> so then she calls me up. Oh no, no, she didn't call me up right away. Then she she goes into Google because I had told her to follow the breadcrumbs. So that's another tip I gave my student: follow the breadcrumbs. So so she's now she's got breadcrumbs. She's got this blonde guy in a toga. Um, and 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 telling her stuff or whatever so she goes into i can't remember exactly what she this this story is in my first book overcoming the fear of death uh the longer version i'm giving you the short version but um i don't know if i have it easily accessible but she but she 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 goes into oh here it is josephine and lucius it's called the section so she goes into google and she uh, types in three words. 
she wrote these down and she called me up right afterwards and she told me what the order in which she did this. She typed in three words. She typed in bearded, blonde, curly, because he had a beard and blonde, curly. Those are the things that she remembers about him. And a photo of a marble portrait of a bust or statue of the same man she saw in her dream pops up on her yes. computer, computer screen. She didn't know who he was because all she sees is a picture, right? And it's just, you know, a bust. So, you know, they don't have any color because they're ancient, right? It's just a stone bust. She didn't know who he was. Then she added the fourth word to her search. She added Roman because he looked Roman. And the name Lucius Verus popped up. So that, that's when she found out who the guy was. And then she oh. goes, and I told and I tell told her, well, go follow the break comes more. And I hung up with the phone. You know, she called me up. They go <laughs> back to the computer. Call the bread comes more. Find out who this guy is, Lucius Verus. <laughs> go look him up. And turns out he had a mistress. Well, well first of all, before that, she founds out that. This guy, Lucius Verus, was a real person in ancient Rome, and he was a party animal. He was a party boy, and, and really like a rich party guy. And he's known for, you know, like hosting orgies and all kinds of stuff. And he had blonde, curly hair, and he was so fascinated with his own good looks that he put blonde, uh, a gold dust in his hair to make that's it so sparkly. Yeah, that's why the sparkly thing, right? So she put he puts he put gold dust because he had so much money and the guy's so full of himself. He puts gold dust in his hair to make him yeah, that's was his thing. That's what he's known for. And then and then she then she had a memory of shaving him. Now how how weird is that, right? Yeah. So, so then she looks that up and she finds out that this guy had a mistress mistress named Panthea or Panthea who who famous there's a famous story about her shaving off his long barbarian like beard that's the quote from the historians shaving up oh, and, and he and he never let anybody touch his beard but it, that one mistress he she somehow convinced him like to to show that she was the special one she was oh my word my who knows? Maybe she was, maybe she wasn't, but this was her experience. That is so amazing. Crazy, right? Crazy, yeah. Yeah. So she I, th that's an example of following breadcrumbs, you know? Oh, my goodness. It started with her recognition memory of uh, this serpent-like ring on her fingers. Oh, wow. That she was attracted to. Yeah. And and she got she found it through Google. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she just Googled it. Yeah, she found this incredible. Google. Yeah, yeah. And but do other people have that kind of success? Some people do. I mean, again, it's dependent, and it, it's so unique to each person. I think the other thing, aside from the meditation opening me up and reducing my stress and my anxiety and all of that. Uh, and also what we talked about, the mind and the body. Yeah. Recognizing that's separate. I think the other huge uh, limiting, the barrier to most people um, is, in addition to what she talked about, the fear of death thing that came up, like he talked about, this guy talked about in her in a dream, like, how can you remember your past lives? Are you afraid of death? <laughs> <laughs> He he, he's a jerk even in the afterlife it turns exactly out. exactly he's got to be instead of a jerk even like well that's well that goes to the personality issue the personalities continue Absolutely. we right? don't change that much not all of a sudden you're like you're not you're a jerk and then you're not a jerk. No. you know you're a jerk for a long time anyway but, but the other the other barrier I the other big barrier i think is embarrassment I think a lot of people, because we've all done stupid stuff, it we've look. I mean, I've done stupid stuff in this lifetime. It yeah, we all have. Of who hasn't, right? So, so you think uh, I'm going to be really open to find out all the incredibly stupid stuff I've done in other lifetimes? <laughs> I think a lot of people that that's a bothersome thing, and I think that's a sufficient barrier for some people. Seriously, <laughs> right? 
They'd rather not know. It's true, right? I mean, but but the thing is, you know me well enough. You know my personality, Roberta. You know, I I I really don't care. I'm like, I know that I'm not perfect. I know nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. That's all I know about me. I'm not perfect. So I don't really care what other people think of me. What I'm I'm a seeker. And so as a seeker, I want to develop my own knowledge of myself. And that means the warts and the good stuff. <laughs> of course. Right? It, it, but the thing is, wait, the more you know of yourself, the more you're able to help other people too. I'm sure that's been true. So true. Yeah. 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 So if people believe me, they think I'm crazy. I really, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. No. Not at all. They're going to think what they're going to think anyway. I don't of have course. Control. I don't have control over that. So it's like, it yeah. doesn't, doesn't worry me. You know, it's right. like people are going to think what they think. I'm here to help people and help myself and help other people. And I, I hope I do it in a way that's not hurtful uh, as much as humanly possible, not hurtful to other people. But other than that, that, you know, what do I have? I don't have control over other minds. So, right. Absolutely, absolutely right. <laughs> but so, is that what you do typically? Though, what what is it? How is it you that you help people? Well, most when, of the when time, you're yeah. when you're doing the, this kind of of consulting. When I'm doing this type of work, it's it's reducing anxiety, reducing fears about whatever they're afraid of. Because it just you know, pick a list. I mean, I mean, pick pick anything off the list. The list is a mile long, so it doesn't matter. Helping them reduce their anxieties, balance their chemistry. You know, as as I teach the meditation, it's a very easy technique. There's no clearing of the mind. You don't have to push thoughts out. You don't have to have a quiet mind. You can have a what I call washing machine spin cycle mind and the technique the way i teach it will still work so that's one aspect the other aspect of it is helping people think more clearly about stuff where they may have this idea and this idea and they and they try to put them together and they don't really go together but they've been living trying to push them push them together and they don't work that's what cognitive dissonance is, right? So Absolutely. trying to help clear people's thinking up so it's more consistent, I think that's a huge barrier to any of this type of stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. So helping to people to think more clearly about their own lives must be huge. Yeah. 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 Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And you in it in, in the meditation is the is they go hand in hand because the meditation is more about as you've talked about expanding the conscious capacity of the mind and then the clarity of the thoughts is cleaning up the you know the thought processes so one is cleaning out the thought pro cleaning up the thought processes I I, I, I liken that to like you have a deck on an ocean liner and in the deck chairs, some of them are broken. We'll get rid of some of the broken deck chairs and, you know, rearrange the deck. Those are like our thoughts and emotions and our thought patterns and emotional patterns, the deck chairs are. But what I do also is expand the deck. I teach people that's the meditation component, expanding the conscious capacity of the deck of the ship, Ex making the deck bigger, making the deck five, ten times bigger. Well, that makes the rearranging of the thought patterns and emotional patterns much easier, right? Right it up easier so you find a, a, we, we talked about a little bit before we went on air we talked a little bit about fear do you find a lot of people are afraid nowadays i think well the nowadays i think every day i mean for six thousand years my memories go back and my memories tell me that people have have had fears about all different kinds of stuff uh throughout the history of humanity millions of years is what i would guess um however long we've been around on planet earth as humans you know and then before that where were we i don't know roberto roberto but you know where before humans here you know wherever i think it goes along with the the a mind who is who is who 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 looks at itself him or herself as 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 more limited tends to have more fears the more expanded the conscious capacity 
the less concerned the mind or the individual is with stuff they don't have control over. I talk a lot about the fear of uncertainty in my work, because really the long list of fears that most people are carrying around can be distilled down to that one fear, the fear of the unknown, the fear of uncertainty, same thing. And so I tell people, I can't get rid of uncertainty, but I can help you get rid of your fears. So uncertainty is part of the universe we live in. It's just things happen, you know, that are out of our control. Some things are within our control, but a lot of things are not within our control. And we've already talked about all the minds, the quadrillions of, I don't know how many, quadrillions of minds out there in the universe. We don't have control over their, their minds, and we don't have control over the weather and so forth, you know, per se. But... We do have control over ourselves. So control what we control and let go of what we can't. And by doing that and expanding our conscious capacity, fears tend to dissipate. Uncertainty is going to exist anyway, but I get people to a place where it's like, okay, bring it on. You know, it's like I can handle it. <laughs> that's the that's a place of self-confidence, right? And then whether people's past life memories open up or not, it doesn't matter. They're living life more fully in the present, which is really what it all matters. Well, all, all that matters anyway. To have fears makes it impossible for you to really live. I think at all, yeah. because yeah. you're always. I, I don't understand how you really can live if you're fearful, because. Yeah. You're always looking over your shoulder and looking around and hedging and afraid. So helping people, if you can help people get rid of that fear, that's huge. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge because you're absolutely right. People will often say to me, now I feel like I'm starting to live my life. It's exactly right. You know, and but before that, though, they don't know what that is because uh, it only has been a life full of fear so they don't know what life is like living life was like without the fear but then when they yeah. do, they go they have the recognition that you just described you know wow now i really feel like i'm living life but it's always as compared to what if you never have had that experience you don't know what that is but yeah that's what i help people do uh because so many people of 66 countries now people from around the world I've worked with um, now on usually on Zoom um, or on WhatsApp or internationally anyway. Um, you know they come to me because they're they're desperate because they've had they have so much anxiety going on in their life and they realize at that point that they cannot continue living like that with so much fear and anxiety very often i guess i'd say 60 60 70 percent of the people who contact me are in that boat and then the other are kind of in the more curiosity boat that we were talking about earlier where they want to learn more about their spiritual growth and so forth and so on so yeah that's wonderful i only i hear from people who are afraid of death and that's what I do is to help them understand that there is no such thing. What? What? What are we talking about? I don't understand what you're talking about because there is no such thing, and that's what I, we what we work on. Right. But yeah, it's yeah. been so long since I was afraid because when you don't fear death, you don't fear anything. Yeah. It goes. It all goes away. Yeah. Which exactly. is a wonderful, wonderful thing. Yeah, because you realize that there is no death. If there isn't death there's, no death. there's nothing to be afraid of at all. Yeah, it's there's biological death, we could say, of the physical biological body. And I've inserted the word biological because, as you know, when we die, our mind continues and we still have a light body. And a physicist would say that that is a, still a physical body. Now, most people wouldn't think of it that way because they think of right. physical as biological. So now I say when our biological body dies. Yeah, or our material body. Right? The material yes. body is what dies. Material body or our biological, same thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. Because we still have a light body. We still are identifiable on the other side. An energy body. Yeah. Energy body, exactly. Energy body, right. 
So yeah, but that that continues, and so there is no death of the no death of the soul of the spirit consciousness mind, right? Which is so, and that, and you, so you teach that as well. You must get a lot of people who have that same concern, that same. Yeah, issue. well, yes, and then I have also people I help who don't believe in an afterlife, and I don't try to convince them that there is one because I'm trying to help them get rid of their fears. So if their fears go away that's all we care about so yeah. i'm the anti-fear anti-anxiety guy I tell people but you know I, if i'm not i don't need to change their belief system if they're like my dad you probably hear remember my stories about my dad who was a scientist engineer this is it one life that's it i yeah. I, I didn't have to convince him because after he died he came and visited us a bunch of times so you know it's like <laughs> right I don't have to convince people. They're going to experience the fact that, that, that right that then they're converted. They yeah, my mother wouldn't believe. No matter what I told her, she would not believe it. Then I contacted her through a medium, and the first thing she said was, "You were right about everything." Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I I'm here to get help people get rid of their fears and live their lives however they want to. Yeah, want to live their life like my dad did. Great. If they want to live their life exploring other spiritual afterlife stuff, great. Either way, doesn't matter. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm glad things are going so well for you. I wish you didn't live halfway across the country, but you know, different strokes for different folks. That's yeah. Well, my kids are out here, right? Remember my kids. So yeah, yeah. That's yeah. yeah, yeah. I live where my kids live too. I think we all want to do that. Yeah, my whole family. My whole family became Texans. So what do you do? That's funny. No, I know we really enjoy it here. I, I we we lived for so long on the East Coast, and it was so cold, and then the snow and all of that. Forget that. You yep. get to the point where you don't want to live like that anymore at all, either. So. Yep, I've had plenty of that growing up in Boston. Yeah. So, so tell me about the DMZ. You actually were teaching there for a while. Yep, I was on the DMZ I, when I was in graduate school at Yale. I got a phone call to go teach on the weekends at West Point Military Academy. So this was before the DMZ, but so I was teaching in you know at the U.S. Army uh, Academy, you know West Point Military Academy. I taught the first meditation courses there in the history of West Point. Um, wow. Yeah, when I was in graduate school. And then as soon as I got out of graduate school, I was in Asia teaching meditation and got a phone call to go up to Korea to teach in uh, the U.S. Army. So I taught on all the U.S. Army bases in Korea. And then the Air Force called me up, the U.S. Air Force called me up. And I ca- taught on all the U.S. Air Force bases in South Korea. But yeah, I was up on the DMZ, the demilitarized zone between North and South Korea, a half a dozen times teaching meditation up there. And I'll tell you, Roberta, it was the most stressful place I've ever been in my life on planet Earth, the DMZ at the time. This was, uh, those people who are old enough may remember, and they can Google and look this up on Wikipedia, but there are tunnels that are now part of a tour, I've heard. I haven't been back. But I've heard that tourists, you can tour the tunnels uh, that the North Koreans were digging underneath the DMZ to start World War III. And I was there, I got. I arrived there two weeks after the first tunnel was discovered. The first tunnel was two miles long from North, so people who don't know what the DMZ is, the demilitarized zone is no man's land um, that was created after the Korean War, or as part of the Korean War armistice between, you know, right. uh, and, and where no man's land, it's shoot to kill. You can't be in there. It's a buffer zone. It's a, That's why I didn't understand how you could have been teaching meditation there. So, so yeah, it's two to three miles wide, and it's stri- it, it's it, it, it's the width of Korea, or the peninsula, Korean peninsula, separating North and South Korea. Well, I'm at the southern edge of the DMZ, at which there are about 50,000 troops all along the whole, you know, spanning the width of Korea. And then the North Koreans and the Chinese have about another 50,000 troops or something like that spanning the width on on their side. And so 
when I was there, well, two weeks before I got there, they found somebody discovered um, the, the the quick story is there, there were two, uh, I don't know if they were UN or US soldiers, but there were two soldiers from the South uh, who saw smoke coming up from uh, the ground in, in, in the uh, demilitarized zone where there's not supposed to be any human beings. And no. they and they saw smoke coming up, so they crept out there, you know, at night and whatever, and investigated. And uh, they heard uh, clanking, or you know, they heard they heard digging. They digging yeah, yeah. And so a crack had 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 somehow occurred in the ground, and they must have been smoking cigarettes or something. The North Koreans down there, and and whatever, they saw smoke coming up. Anyway, yeah. So uh, they 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 wow. went, they went back and. Um, I think one or two soldiers were killed in the in that in that event. They yeah. So, wow. so that one tunnel was two miles long already. And it would it, the estimate was a thousand troops an hour could have gotten into South Korea if they had completed the, the last mile or so of the tunnel. Oh my word. <laughs> I don't remember hearing anything about that. Oh yeah. And then there was another tunnel. In in March, a few months later, there was another tunnel that was discovered that was even bigger. You could fit tanks and artillery oh. and carry 30,000 troops an hour through that tunnel. Oh. oh, my word. Yeah. For a while, the North was determined to, yeah. to take over because, because yep. they wanted South Korea pretty badly. Yep. Oh, my word. Yeah. That's shocking. So I was teaching meditation in the army along the. No wonder this was a stressful time in your life. Oh my God. It was crazy. My dear. Oh. It was crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. goodness. Oh. Yeah. yeah that, would have, that would have been World War III right there. You would have oh, had it. would have been World War III. Absolutely. There's no question about it. It would have absolutely would have been World War III. Uh, it was interesting because these are. You know, I was teaching anybody, you know, 18-year-old, you know, enlisted men, senior officers, anybody could Was learn. this like the 70s or something? Yeah. That yeah. 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 Oh, wow. 1974. Um, and 74, 75. And, and so um, it's interesting because they were so stressed out. Especially eighteen, nineteen-year-old kids. Anybody would need meditation. It would have been those boys. Oh, oh my God! You know, I would teach them to meditate, and they would, there would be, you know, it was, it was, it was lots of noise going on always around. You know, you're on the army base. You know, it's lots of noise going of around. And so, and I, and I'd say, I'd ask them after, uh, like on day one, I teach them on day one. You know, a four-day course, but on day one, I teach them the the basic instruction and i have them meditate with me and i have them open their eyes up and i said so did you hear the out, outer noises did it bother you and they go what noise <laughs> oh what a gift you were giving them yeah yeah they were so stressed out yeah oh those poor kids yeah oh my word well <laughs> you uh, we we have come actually we've gone past when we were, should should have stopped talking. Whenever you and I talk, we just go on forever. No, that's okay. <laughs> this so uh, this has been wonderful. I'm so glad we did this. We're going to have to do this again. Good, good to talk to you again, always. And and this turn within this little placard you have by your shoulder. That's oh, my daughter, my daughter. Yeah, my daughter made this. So my daughter's teaching meditation along with me now. As part of my under my nonprofit organization, and that's turning within is the name of the meditation technique. Turn within, so she <laughs> made that for me. <laughs> that's nice. It's yeah. turnwithin.com, right? Or dot org. Dot org. Dot org. That's yeah. right. Turning, that's turning, right. turning within. It's a turning within. Turning within. Turning within. <laughs> I think it's turning within. Turning within. Dot org. So, what do you want people to take away from our conversation today? Well, I'd say that, um, you know, just to take away the fact that the main the, the main thing about uh, life and in living more fully in the continual present is finding ways to reduce our stress and opening 
our conscious capacity of awareness to the larger sense of self that you were talking about earlier. And that if people are curious about uh, opening up to past lives, then a key component in addition to that is, is developing a sense of security within oneself, confidence within oneself to not really care about what other people think about what you know what we're doing or who we are you know who we claim to be and what our experiences are and to really focus our attention more on ourselves than let and less on what other people think about ourselves beautifully said that's the ultimate freedom really isn't it mm -hmm. i think so oh, consider yourself hugged my sweet i think that's Absolutely. wonderful likewise. likewise good to see you Wonderful to see you too. Oh, wow, this has been great. Yes, turningwithin.org is the website. And again, my dear friends, we have come to the end of our time. This has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm so happy you were with us today. And please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began, you never will end. And when you really get that, it changes everything in your life for the better. Next week, our guest will be Brenda Rice, who is our own Seek Reality Forgiveness Guru. At least I've come to sort of think of her that way. Brenda is dedicated to helping people overcome obstacles that hold them back from living life to its fullest by guiding them through a five-step forgiveness process to heal everything. And especially that includes self-forgiveness, which often is the first step. She's written a nifty book. I, I really love it. It's called Forgive Yourself. I think everyone should read her book because that's the first step. And you're going to love Brenda. So please be sure to join us next week. And this week, we've been talking with Kelvin Chin, who's a meditation star. He's an author, a meditation teacher, and a life after life expert. And his third book is After the Afterlife, Memories of My Past Lives. It describes, we haven't even talked in... We meant to get to some more lives. We never did. So he'll be back. His past life memories reach back 6,000 years and they've been resurfacing for him for the past 45 years, I think because of all his meditation. But they've taught him a lot about himself and about how parts of our minds continue from lifetime after lifetime. And this has been his fourth visit but it, <laughs> there'll be a lot more visits. The thing about Kelvin is that he's really someone that, that is, as you see, he's easy to talk to. He's easy to just make part of your life. And um, I, I just like, like him as a person. I think he's a very advanced being. He's someone who really sort of makes himself part of your life. And, and that's kind of, I think, important. I find him just simply a delightful person to know. He's a person, as you see, who is free of what other people think of him, which to me is the ultimate, ultimate freedom. Now, of course, it's time once again to mention that Seek Reality Online is your one-stop resource for all things afterlife. Just go to seekreality.com and start to learn for yourself that your own reality is eternal. Whether, whether you like it or not, you may not like it. But it's eternal, so it's time to learn the ultimate truth from our dear friend Craig Hogan, who is your worldwide expert on all things afterlife. And teachingsbyjesus.com is your single resource for all the divine truths that are brought to us in perfect love by the greatest teacher of all, Master Jesus. Now, after all this time, it finally is Jesus's turn. The Christianity that is the religion that's practiced now was created by the Roman Emperor Constantine 300 years plus after Jesus died here. <laughs> Finally, the religion that he never started is dying, so the genuine teachings of Jesus can finally be out in the world, and they make Jesus come alive for real. So go to teachingsbyjesus.com and learn what Jesus actually taught. Also, as you know, my own nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, The Fun of Living Together, and The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught. You can get my books also as audiobooks, all except the last one. And there's a children's book, too. It's called The Fun of Meeting Jesus. You can get my books anywhere by ordering them or on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. 
And if you want to talk about anything at all, you can always contact me through the green contact block on robertagrimes.com. All of the more than 500 episodes of Seek Reality are available wherever audio podcasts can be found. And you can listen to all the new ones each week with the Seek Reality app that you can find for free wherever free apps are available. I try to make this as easy for you as I possibly can make it. And you can get the, the, um, now we're, we're also, if I always used to say I have too, too good a face for radio ever to be a video, a video presentation, but you can get us every week on video as well. Um, by just getting us on Roku or Fire Stick, or I think we're also available just on YouTube. And, and meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and please make the most of this coming week in our one reality. But never forget, always know that you are a powerful eternal being. And please never for a moment forget that you, most of all in this entire universe, you are infinitely, eternally, perfectly, and forever loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of Dream Vision 7 Radio Network's unique in-house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one-stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or go to DreamVision7Radio.com. This is DreamVision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.